Welcome to Paper Quest. I'm Jesse. And I'm James. And we're two friends teaming up in our ongoing quest through the Infinite Library. Each episode, we get together to discuss our latest buddy read, swap stories on our recent solo reads, and talk about the upcoming books we look forward to reading next. This is Paper Quest. Do you want to start us off with your list of books? Sure. So, <laughs> I have a confession. I have not finished a book besides this the buddy read um, in the past two weeks because I have a problem of starting too many books and jumping back and forth, like very ADHD book reading. And so, <clears throat> um, I'm just going to tell you the books that I've cur- I'm currently trying to finish. Um, the first is Autumn's Tithe by Hannah Parker. That's a beautiful cover. So <laughs> this is a bookish box book, um, which I did for a couple of months just to test it out and see my thoughts on it. Um, so it is a special edition book. It's um, got, what is this called? Designs on the edge. Yeah, they've printed on the pages of the book themselves. Yeah, and then the inside has like a beautiful watercolor and the front is all... It's very foil, all yes. gold foil. Which uh, works really well because basically, and I'm about 25% done, um, basically every year or every four years, something like that, um, a portal type of thing opens into this small village and a fae, a fairy, um, comes out and t- takes a child. And everyone knows, and it's like an honor, um, and they think that the child is going to complete some sort of quest. Um, so the main character, her friend before, um, like the, the previous time that they took a kid, her friend was the one who was taken, and so she's trying to be the perfect one to be chosen, and she um, kind of starts realizing maybe it's not uh, all it's said to be and that maybe the fairies are not there to take care of them but maybe it's something more sinister um it's a little bit i would say maybe middle grade um it's not like a high level reading or anything it's not super complex um how far are you like 25 percent. it's it's interesting so far it's just not what i was in the mood to read (laughs) Therefore, she moved on to the next book. <laughs> yes, which is... Okay, I know this author. Yes, this is Court. Um, this is the fourth book in the Crave series. We talked about this last time. A lot of people say that this is like budget Twilight. Or, oh, oh, this... Okay, yeah. Um, and I don't think... I would disagree with that statement, but that's how a lot of people um, talk about it. All of these books are well over... They're at least 700 pages. Um. And so I am at 562. These books make me laugh, cry, think. Um, And because I'm at the fourth book, I'm so invested in each individual character that um, I just, I like, when I'm reading it, I just keep reading it. So I think I read for like three hours straight last night. Um, And I will probably just finish this today or tomorrow. Is that also teen, young adult? Definitely young adult. Um, there's, uh, there's like 
politics portions to it. There's love triangles. There's all sorts of creatures. So very interesting. Um, I'm about to, or actually I have started our next buddy book, which we'll talk about later. I also got like 50% of the way through the Starless Sea, which I mentioned last time on my Libby app. The problem was that it's very, very long and there's a waiting list. So Libby took it away from me because <laughs> I didn't finish it quickly enough. Um, and the Starless Sea is basically, um, there is normal world and there is these painted doors that people happen upon. And if they go through, they'll find themselves um, in like, what are they called? Like uh, ports or like, um, like where a boat, a ship would dock, mm -hmm. um, a harbor. Um, and it's on the Starless Sea and there's some magical things that happen there. Um, but there's also who gets chosen and why, and there's lots of inter interlocking stories. Um, and it's, it's, I was listening to it, um, in audio form and it has different voices. And so it's very pleasant to listen to. I still don't know where it's going, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I hope to get that back. Uh, like I said, I'm on the wait list. I hope to get that back shortly and then I can finish it. <laughs> so we'll see. But what are you reading? I fully understand the problem of reading way too many things at once. So I, I try to stay as, as much away from that as possible. Although there are many things that I do want to read right now. I did decide to go ahead and finish <clears throat> A Darker Shade of Magic. Which is one of the first books we reviewed on this podcast. You and I did book one of three. I'm on book two now. And we both... We had different reviews for the first book. But we both overall enjoyed it. Yep. Um, I enjoyed it a lot. It's it's a very different, unusual fantasy novel. It doesn't follow many of the typical storylines or tropes of other fantasy novels. I am coming across a struggle with the second book. Uh, without giving away anything too much that happened in the first book, we're following Kel, who is a very powerful Antari magician. And the first book, you know, the first book had, as expected, stakes and intrigue and drama and you know, saving the world kind of feel to it. The second book takes place four months later, and from reading the back of the book, it says, you know, the the there's this magical competition that takes place every six years, and this world's London because there's four there's four Londons in this book, each in a different parallel universe. We're in Red London, and Red London is host to sort of like the magical Olympics. Like that's that's the, the draw of this book particularly, but for over half the book, we're just jumping back and forth between Kel and Lila, and kind of just what they've been doing since the last book. Very just day in the life. Not that it's uninteresting, but we're just following the events of their lives. It's very unexciting. The quote unquote magical Olympics don't even start until you're like 75% into it. And then it's not even like the point of the book. So I'm actually mind blown as to why this book exists because nothing has happened. I know what's going to happen, but it hasn't happened yet, but it's clear. And I'm about 20 pages away from finishing it. So I know how this book is going to end, which is fine. I know how it's going to lead into the third and final book, but this book seems so out of place and random and unimportant that I just don't know why it was written. Like we could skip all of this 
and the event that's going to end this book can still happen. I, I just don't know why this book exists. It's mind-blowing to me. Maybe you'll find out once you finish it or read the third book? Maybe, but it is very clear that this is just a day in the life. Like, we're just catching up for a while, and I really don't... Lila, Lila leaves at the first book to do her own thing, and then in this book, we follow what she's been doing for four months, and then she comes back. And it's like, well, I don't... That could have been, like, a chapter of this is what I was doing. Mm-hmm. But we followed it the entire time. So, I don't know. It's it's weird. I, I imagine since the third book is the finale, we'll get into the thick of it. But I don't know what this book is doing existing. It's very strange. <laughs> Definitely interesting. I'll be intrigued to hear, once you finish the third book, kind of your overall thoughts. I think I'll do a side quest on it. Just a general trilogy overview. We'll see. I don't want to. I don't want to tread ground we already tread, but we'll see. But uh, yeah, so I guess we can jump right into the midnight, the midnight library. <laughs> yeah. So we read. Hold on, I gotta bring it up. We read the midnight library by Matt Haig, and we're going to. I'm gonna read a spoiler-free summary, and then. After that, we will definitely be jumping into spoilers because this is a book that I think we have a lot to talk about. Yeah, so if you like what you hear, just maybe pause, read the book, and come back because it's a really easy read. We did it so fast. Yep. Between life and death, there is a library. And within that library, the shelves go on forever. Every book provides a chance to try another life you could have lived. To see how things would be if you made other choices. Would you have done anything different? If you had the chance to undo your regrets. Yes, so many things. (laughs) So many. So many things. (laughs) So many thoughts. Um, So, again, jumping into spoilers. Basically, there is a woman named Nora Seed. And... Was her last name Seed? Her last name was Seed. They must not have said it but once or twice because I don't remember that being her last name. (laughs) Um... She, I don't know why that's her last name. It's really weird. <laughs> um, but she, we meet her, and she is in a very depressed state, and she's kind of having the worst day of her life. Um, she gets fired from her job. Her cat dies, and I feel like something else might have happened. Well, she's in a place where she feels like she's not needed by anyone. Yeah. Even the neighbor she takes care of no longer needs her help. Stuff like that with, like, getting prescription. He's, like, an older guy. Mm-hmm. And just every tiny little thing that gives her a purpose to live is slowly taken away. Not not in any dramatic sense. It's just, like, one of those moments where no one needs me anymore. I know what it was. Her, um, she was giving piano lessons to a kid. Were, and yes. the mom called and said, hey, we don't need you anymore. Um, so that was the last thing. And it it broke her. Um, specifically the cat dying broker, um, and she decides to take a lot of pills, and she kind of ends up in what uh, I would call limbo, but what yeah. is this library? Mm-hmm. So what were your thoughts when we first picked this book? Well, for about 80% of the book, when she's jumping back and forth from the library to these other universes, my thought was... Okay, I believe that she's in limbo. Like, I think I'm, I think somewhere in real life she's passed out on the ground and maybe she's in a hospital or something. Mm-hmm. But is it one of those things where this is actually happening because this is a fantasy novel in some respect? 
Or is this the brain making sense or interpreting her her borderline, you know, life and death situation? Is any of this really happening? And at the end of the book, we find out, yes, it is really happening. Yeah, I definitely thought it was really happening. And I, I too, perceived that she, her body was in this in-between. Her body was physically in what they called her root life, so the original life we saw, um, and that her soul almost was being deposited in these other um, noras across time, space. Across the multiverse. Yeah, yeah. basically. They're, when we first learned, so we we will define them as, they're called sliders, sliding in and out of multiple selves yep. throughout the, the cosmos. But my first thought, because I think way too hard on this stuff, is every time she took over an alternate version of herself... Mm-hmm. She's kind of told she has the option to, you know, if this is really the life that you want, you can stay. And I'm like, but wait a second. That alternate version of her is real. So where did that Nora's mind go? That Nora's mind is just fucked. <laughs> well, it at one point it explained that she started to, because she did find a life that she thought was going to be the life she stayed in. Um, and she started to get the memories of the other Nora the in other life. life and lose her memories. So she was like... It, they became enmeshed. So, yeah, I think that other Nora's consciousness, like, was suppressed or something. And just, she, yeah. she kind of was, like, pushing it to the side. Because eventually. she's told, she's told if this is the life that's fit for her, she will gain the other memories, lose her old ones, forget the library ever existed, forget everything, basically. But in my mind, I'm just like, ah, oh, but, like, that other Nora was a real. So is this now, if she becomes this new Nora... But the, this other alternate Nora's memories take over. Is she even herself anymore? Is she gonna is she gonna remember why she did what she did? Because then she's gonna fall into old habits. So whatever it is she's doing, like it's. It, I was just like, oh, there's so many thoughts here. I think that's what was really cool about the book is that it really made you think, um, and just about um, choices. And so, like we said, Nora's in this. Her physical root life body is passed out or in this in-between life and death situation. Um, And she ends up in limbo, which is a library. And I actually wrote down when she first saw the library. It had me laughing out loud. Um, She's... So she she walks up. She sees the front of the library and she just says, this is abnormal. Uh, She said to herself to find comfort in the sound of her own voice. Definitely abnormal. Like, yes, it's abnormal. <laughs> Just a tad, you know. Um, and so she walks in, and inside she finds the librarian, who looks just like Mrs. Elm, who was her librarian in high school. And um, Mrs. Elm was someone who supported her in a way that her family didn't, and, and gave her, like, a listening ear. And there was a defining moment where Mrs. Elm is the one that has to tell her that her, who died again? Her mother. That her mother died. I was going to say brother, but that's an alternate universe. (laughs) Yeah, so actually each parent dies, each parent and her brother in different situations have died at different times, depending on her life choices. Yeah, so this is, this. the whole theme of the book is choices and regret. And one of the first things she learns in the library is that there is a there is a volume waiting for her that is every regret she's ever had in life. And based on these regrets, she can experience another life and 
and basically experience the choice she would have made to so that that regret would no longer happen. Right. And then that regret would disappear from the book. So on regrets, Nora said, I haven't become an Olympic swimmer. I haven't become a glaciologist. Glaciologist. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't become Dan's wife. I haven't become a mother. I haven't been the lead singer of the Labyrinths, which was her band. I haven't managed to become truly good or a truly happy person. I haven't even managed to look after Voltaire, which was her cat who died. Um, so she, her big book of regrets was lengthy. Um, and yeah, as she goes through and lives each of those lives, um, they, they are erased because she's tested them out and changed them. Well, and it's definitely a big life lesson because one of the main points of the book is basically, basically trying to tell you, yes, you regret that because you don't know. Well, yes, you regret that, but what would have happened had you made the other choice? It could have led to something worse. Therefore, just because you regret something doesn't mean it's the wrong choice because it could have led you down a worse path. And some of them are a much worse path or lead to different choices in which some of the outcomes is what she wanted, but the other outcomes in that same universe lead to things she never could have guessed or, you know, a different family member dying or, you know, she her friend. The Australian one was interesting because she was always like, I should have gone to Australia with my friend. We would have had a great time. In that universe, nothing affects her technically, but her friend dies almost immediately in a car crash in Australia, and now she's stuck in Australia. So it's like, it's just, it's just crazy. Like anything could happen, and it's not just you or your choice. Sometimes just random things happen, and it changes the entire game. Yeah, it was really interesting because um, Mrs. Elm, as the librarian in the midnight midnight library, is kind of her like spirit guide if that makes sense mm -hmm. like she's giving her she can't say like hey choose this life but she can say okay well which regret is your biggest regret um and when she explains choices mrs elm says every life contains many millions of decisions some small some big but every time one decision is taken over another the outcome differs an irreversible variation occurs which in turn leads to further variations these books are portals to all the lives you could be living um and i'm quoting a lot i took a lot of quotes because it was just well stated um but yeah it's like even the smallest thing you know can change your whole day let alone your whole life um yeah the um there is the life where she never got to t teach that kid piano yeah. And that was the one thing that kept the kid out of trouble. And in that one life, because she never taught piano, that kid ended up doing something bad and getting arrested. It's yeah. just these tiny little things that affect not just your life, but others too. It, very butterfly effect. Well, and she asked for a life where Voltaire didn't die in this, uh, outside in a car, by being hit by a car. Um, she said the cat. Yeah. Yeah. The cat. She said she wanted to, I think the regret was not having been good enough, like caretaker of mm -hmm. Voltaire. And so she, um, moves to this life where it's the same as it was in her root life. But Voltaire had never gone outside. He was an indoor cat and he still was dead because he was a big fat boy <laughs> and had been so pampered that he died. And Mrs. Elm was like, 
Yeah, I mean, he was still old. You'd had him many years. And now he's, you know, put on more weight because he's not outside playing and running around. And yeah, he's still going to die. And it turns out she only thought the cat got hit by a car because the cat was dead on the side of the road. So yeah. the assumption between her and her friend that rang the doorbell was like, oh, yeah, the cat got hit. But it was like, no, in this case, no matter what you do, the cat just has internal issues. Yeah. Which is where I'm like, well, then just ask for a world where Voltaire doesn't have that. But <laughs> I mean, but literally so there's every choices. single po- there's so many possibilities. So the first place she goes, though, um, and her biggest regret is not marrying her ex-fiance, Dan. How did you feel about that first choice? That was the first choice. Yeah. yeah. So uh, she and Dan, lo- uh, you know, before things went wrong. They loved each other. They had this dream of opening a small pub and running it together. Mm-hmm. And so we get to see that life. And it's just one of those situations where the the dream sounds fun until it's a reality. And it is running a business and living your daily life. And sometimes that just doesn't work out. And I think in this case, um, Dan had cheated. cheated at some point yeah. prior to her taking over the body. So she didn't have that knowledge yet. What's funny is every time she enters a new world, she has to do all these things really quickly to find out, okay, what what should I know in case somebody asks me a question? Because this isn't my life, and I have no idea what happens until I arrive here. Mm-hmm. So all she knew when she arrived there was that um, she was married to Dan because that's the regret she was undoing. She didn't know where she was going to be. She didn't know what she was going to be doing, um, any of it. And she arrives, and the body that she takes over had been outside like closing up the pub for the night but she had to be like is this my pub is this my like she didn't bring the sign in and like didn't know what was happening and then um yeah she she starts talking to dan and she finds out that they're in debt and that um he's made bad choices and he's cheated on her they don't have kids none of the things that they had planned besides the pub had been a reality Mm mm-hmm Um, and she immediately, she's like, basically, as soon as you know that that's not the life you want, you slip away. Um, so she walks into the bathroom, I think to like put water on her face or something and she just disappears. But she notices too, that every place or every alternate timeline, alternate universe that she goes to, um, she notices and describes how her body is different. So I think in this one, she had put more weight on and her hair was different um and yeah that that was a really interesting thing yeah sometimes she'll have a random tattoo she never had before sometimes she'll be really strong sometimes she'll be really weak sometimes she'll notice that her depression has carried over to other universes and there's like clearly scars from like doing things to herself yeah and in some universes she is being medicated for her depression um, so it's interesting because it, it always, the same things and people always exist in these different universes. Um, but her interaction with them is always different. Yeah, there's always some constants, as they call them. Yeah. One thing that made me really nervous every time she entered a new world, once I realized she wouldn't have memories leading up to her entering, and people noticed too. Like, they're like, are you okay today? Like, they'll, they'll pick up on something yeah. being wrong. I get really nervous because... 
this sometimes she'll enter right into like a crazy situation like oh you're about to give a huge speech oh you're going live on stage i'm like oh god this is nerve-wracking what is she gonna do <laughs> yeah that one specifically was made me really anxious because we in in previous come you know previous chapters we learned that like she doesn't like being in front of people public speaking but in this version of herself as a retired olympic swimmer that's her job mm-hmm. and she's gonna pay lots of money to go up there and give this motivating speech about, you know, overcoming everything and being amazing. Um, and yeah, she doesn't know. <laughs> she doesn't know the lines. She's like, hey, by the way, I might go a little off script. And at, fir- at first people are like, oh, this is kind of weird. And then she kind of gets into it and people like it. And then it spirals out of control. And she's like, okay, time to disappear. This is getting awkward. <laughs> yeah. So she does say in that speech, um, she says, Life is strange how we live it all at once in a straight line, but really that's not the whole picture because life isn't simply made of the things we do, but the things we don't do. And every moment in our life is a kind of turning, which I thought was really interesting because obviously she's having all of these different experiences and she remembers them because she's not settling into a life. So she knows that she's been in many, many lives. And um, at one point there's actually this massive list of, you know, she's been, uh, like, of all the things that she's done differently in all the lives she's tried. Um, I, f- I remember there being one that was very strange. It was, like, there was one where she didn't know how to cook or something. <laughs> and oh, okay. It was some random, like, thing like that. I don't know exactly what it was. That one's not ringing a bell. I'm not sure. I think it, okay, it was probably, there was one point in the book where, Oh, no, I know what it was. It was that she only ate toast. Oh, okay, yeah. I was going to say, there's there's a part in the book, a little more than halfway, where she's been doing this for longer than we realize. Like, yeah. it starts listing just straight up, line after line, then she tried this world, then she yeah. tried this world, and there's all these weird things. So they're trying to, they're, time is passing, even though in real life time isn't passing, and she really goes through it. So, like, what regret are you undoing where you end up only eating toast? I feel like there is maybe, you know, because in the one universe she gained weight. So she's like, maybe this time I'm not gaining weight. Yeah, I don't <laughs> Toast know. only, all carbs. Very interesting. Um, but, yeah. So she, she tries all these different lives. And um, in all of them, she is has some awareness of Dan. Either he's... Um, Reaching out to her, like, you know, basically, like, sliding into her DMs, <laughs> being like, hey, I, you know, I'm doing this thing. Or they've, you know, they've broken up or they're married. Um, and then also her best friend, like you mentioned, Izzy, went to Australia. And um, she always checks on Izzy. In some timelines, Izzy is dead. In some timelines, they're not talking. Um, and then there is her brother Joe. So her brother Joe and her and their friend were going to start a band called The Labyrinths. And she decided to quit the band, even though she was the lead singer and wrote the songs. Mm-hmm. Because Dan didn't want her to be in the band, but also because she had some stage fright. And there is a timeline where she goes and is massively famous um she got all of her social media followers just everything you could possibly want 
Yep. Well, sort of. And in, I think it's in that timeline. Um, well, in one timeline, her brother has committed suicide. It's this one. Yeah. Because they call, they keep saying Joe, Joe. this, Joe, that, but she doesn't realize Joe is, is short for her, for Ma- manager, the is... manager, like Josephine or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So she thinks her brother's alive. Oh yeah. Joe is doing this. Joe is doing that. And then she asks for her brother and they're like, your brother's dead. And she's like, no, you just said he was downstairs doing this, this and that for our, you know, for our group. And they were like, are you okay? <laughs> well, and then, and then she starts Googling herself or mm-hmm. whatever. She, and every universe, she Googles herself. Yeah. And so she realizes that after her brother died, she had a mental breakdown and was in rehab and did all these different things. And um, so she's not really any life that we got to truly look at. She didn't have a quote unquote perfect life. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we all know, a perfect life is not possible. So, it, is she ever going to find the one life that she really thinks she can slip into? She comes close. She does come close. She does. Something I thought was really interesting, too, um, was that there is a timeline where she gets to where her mother's still alive. And she gets to talk to her and her father. Um, and I would. I was just thinking, like, you've spent years knowing these people are gone forever, right? And then suddenly they're alive and you get to speak to them. And they're totally different because they've taken different choices. Um, So it was interesting to hear her try and understand, like, in one timeline, um, her her parents, her mother hadn't died, but her parents had gotten divorced and her dad was like dating someone new or getting married or something and her mother was in a bad spot and she had to kind of try and understand all the new dynamics but then also deal with these like my parents got divorced like what (laughs) what what how did that happen what made this occur and it was that you know she had chased her dream to be an olympic swimmer and her dad was like you know oh we got money oh i'm doing these things i'm um, you know, managing my daughter, and then he finds someone. I think it was like a swim coach or something. Well, and there's another universe in which the actor she always fell ahead, you know, always swooned over. Yeah, was ended up being her husband. Yeah, he like he's in like some sort of western movie or something, like something saloon. And I found that very interesting because there was actually kind of a a repeating theme or loop or whatever you want to call it where we've we heard about this saloon movie and then in one universe they're dating or i guess they actually got they broke up but on good terms and then in other universes that stays a constant like hey do you want to watch this new western saloon movie on tv tonight or oh they're interviewing the 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 star from the saloon movie like he was always in the background and i was i thought that would come back and play a bigger part but it's just like this weird recurring like this guy in some way is always showing up in your universe, whether you're dating him, seeing him on TV. It was a strange, like, occurrence. But I feel like that's kind of... We saw that in all of them. Yeah. Like, so in her final... Or not, yeah, the final timeline that we see, or whatever, that she jumps into, um, she is married to the person who found her cat dead in her root timeline, which is a doctor named Ash, and they have a child together. 
um, in their final timeline, and um, he had been in all the other timelines. There was one where she just walked by him, and she said hi, and he looked at her like she was crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was... This initial slip-in, though, to this one was creepy, where she was, like, interviewing her kid because she knew nothing, and I oh, was yeah. like, this is getting real weird. <laughs> she didn't know her kid's name or anything. Yeah. She, she said, let's play a game where you tell me things you already know. It's a quiz. Yeah. And then it got, like, weird, creepy, like, I broke into your house stalker kind of thing. And I, I know from her perspective, it's not supposed to be that way. But from a no. reader, it's like, this isn't, I know you're you, but you're not. And this is getting real weird. <laughs> well, it was like, you know, she was just with the, the daughter. And so it was, um, what's mommy's name? And she's, so, you know, the daughter said Nora. And then she said, okay, what's daddy's name? And she said, ash and she's like oh thank goodness you know <laughs> um and she said okay what's what's your name little girl and i don't remember her name um I vaguely i want to say ruby but that's probably not right that's not all. it but i can't remember <laughs> <laughs> um and there was a dog there so she's like what's the dog's name and then Do we have more than one yeah yeah all of those things like and she i forget what it was but she wanted to ask her something like what um like where something was kept and the little girl was like i don't know oh and she asked what does what's dad daddy's job and she was like and what's mommy's job <laughs> and she was like i don't know because <laughs> i think the, the daughter was like five you know oh yeah very young yeah um so yeah that was very strange but that was the one that she decided that she was gonna be in um and she spent quite a long time there where no timeline is given but we're to us I assumed at least a couple months, like, cause she yeah. kind of slipped into slipped enough into it where she was starting to gain the memories of the former host. Yeah, there was something. Like she she knew she knew a person and then immediately remembered that the other friends of that person or something like that. Yeah, and she was like, "Oh wait, I didn't I didn't know those people. How did I how did I say those names?" Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. um, that was really interesting. Uh. I can't remember why she decided not to stay there. I was just wondering that. I know that Dan, or sorry, I know that Ash starts picking up on a lot of the weirdness. Yeah. Um, shoot, I read this like two days ago. Uh, for whatever reason, though, she decides not to stay there. And she uh, talks to the daughter and says, you know, don't forget mommy always loves you. She basically says a proper goodbye to both of them. Which she didn't do in any other timeline. I think what happened, because she disappears when they're, like, in the backyard. Yeah. And she's like, this feels wrong. Like, this isn't this isn't really my daughter. I, it just feels like fake love almost. And what she... In, basically, it's not like any one specific event. I think it all built up and she's like, I am living a lie. Yeah. No one's ever going to know, but... At every point that I do this, I'm just pretending. I didn't give birth to this person. I didn't. I wasn't at the wedding with this man. Like I don't really know these people. Yeah. So I think she's just kind of like I'm living a lie, and I can feel myself slipping away again. And there was a point when she was crouching down, talking to her daughter, and just saying like, "Remember, I'll always love you," because you know her her the real mom's gonna slip back in. She knew. She's like, even though I didn't ask for it, I can feel the library coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was very interesting. Um, that she, she made that decision knowing that, knowing that eventually the, um, the memories would overtake her consciousness. Yeah. Um, what's interesting about that 
I think they explained it, but I was like, when this other Nora mm-hmm. slips back in, the real Nora, that was months that that Nora just didn't experience. Now, I think they said eventually the memories will slip back in and it'll take over, but I was like, she left a big gap for that Nora. Mm-hmm. Um, so she does one life that I thought was really interesting because she met Hugo there. The glaciologist life. Yep. How also, are... bears are a theme in this book that come up a lot. Yes. I was, I was going <laughs> to talk about <laughs> the bear. Um, so she decides, or in her root life, Mrs. Elm says, you know, maybe you should be a, a glacier scientist, a glaciologist, and instead of an Olympic swimmer. Maybe that's, you know, that was her interest. She was looking at books about, like, places that she could do that and colleges and things like that and it was about saving the planet and the environment and you know they were they were studying glaciers and the melting effect and all that yeah and so she goes and um she wakes up or that you know she comes into consciousness like in a room with a strange woman a shotgun by the door um cold and has to figure out like what she's doing (laughs) um and she seemed to really like that life. Um, it was quiet. It was um, enjoyable. Like, it, she was doing something she was passionate about. Um, but there she meets Hugo. And Hugo is also a slider. And it should be pointed out that she herself and her root life never got the chance to study any of this. So when she slips into this life, she doesn't know the first thing about what she's supposed to know. She no. didn't know nothing about any of the science, the field that she's in, basically. Yeah, so she went, in her root life, she went to college to be a uh, philosophy, she was a philosophy major. Yes. Um, and that comes up a lot. She, she'll she mention, like, oh, you know, Thoreau, and the people in that life are like, are you sick? <laughs> yeah, why do you know that? And okay. she's like, oh, I read an article. You know, she had to, like, cover. Um, but Hugo immediately realizes what she is, because he's been doing this a long, long time. And I thought that was really interesting. He's almost like quizzing her. Yeah, he he realizes this person is clearly looking confused or lost. And he's been doing this probably... I know that his timeline is frozen as well, wherever his body must be. But he's it's assumed that he's been doing this for technically probably years. And like he, he said he's lived a thousand different lives. But it, we learned that it turns out that everyone's limbo matches something in their... Something you know, very memorable in their mind. For him, it was his uncle in a video store. It's assumed to be like, you know, your old blockbuster. So for him, instead of jumping into books, he's in a, he's in a blockbuster and he's putting in VCR, putting in VCR or VHS tapes into the TVs and he'll experience it like it's a TV show or something. Um, And he does tell her eventually. So they, they start talking, um, they make out. Um, and he tells her, hey, in one of my timelines, we're married. And <laughs> she fades away. No, um, <laughs> she, that is not when she faded away, but that was, you know. It was interesting that they overlap, you know, if you have, it's an infinite library. Um, but if you have, you know, a million books, how many of them overlap with someone else's books? You know. Well, and unless there's any universes that, that did not get mentioned to us, Nora states that she met Hugo once in this first encounter as a glaciologist, and then only one other time in passing. Mm-hmm. And that's it. So, yeah. of all the choices they looked at, we only saw him twice, and once was 
was the only one time was it a real conversation. Yeah. So they um, they spend some time together. She asks him some questions. He tells her about other sliders, um, and then she is assigned to go out into the wilderness and protect the team as they're taking samples or something. She's got her big old shotgun that she doesn't know how to use. And oh, is it like a whistle or a horn or something? Something that makes noise. Yeah, they've got they've got all their emergency equipment with them. Yeah, and so they're like, you stay here and make sure that no polar bears come to eat us while we pick up our samples. That would not be my job. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> she volunteered for it too because she didn't know what it was. And they're like, oh, is it you tonight? And she's like, yup, it's me. Um, which if I was her, that would I would be so terrified to be volunteering for something in the in the arctic like that i don't know how to do and it's not safe like nothing in the arctic is safe mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah <laughs> so she goes out there um and she a polar bear does charge at her and she doesn't respond <laughs> very well no and that's when she's just blowing on the whistle and no one's coming yeah. which i think makes sense because they can't rush out and get her they have to stay in hiding and that's where the bear theme starts like that's you know, it's like the bear attack, which nothing comes of it, and it eventually goes away and runs off back to the ocean. But then that's where, like, in one of the universes, the daughter has a scary dream about bears, and there's bear stuffed animals, and you're just kind of like, the bears keep coming back into play. Yeah. Um, when she's out there, she starts thinking that this might be the life she chooses. And she's thinking about Thoreau, which is why I mentioned him earlier. <laughs> um... And she talks about, um, well, I'll just read it because I, I'm, I don't want to mess up the row. <laughs> um, she, he writes, she's quoting him, and he has written, If one advances confidently in the direction of his dreams and endeavors to live the life which he has imagined, he will meet with a success unexpected in common hours. And then he also observed that part of the success was the product of being alone. I have never found the companion that is so companionable as solitude. Um, Nora spends a lot of her life wanting to please everyone. To be an Olympic swimmer is pleasing to her father. To um, be in the labyrinths is pleasing to her brother. Um, Being a better cat owner is just pleasing to herself and Voltaire. (laughs) Or at the very least helpful, like when she wanted to help. Because there was the universe in which... She should have the neighbor who she used to get the prescriptions for. Yeah. And in passing, when learning about the the piano guy, yeah. uh, the the kid that learned that was getting taught piano, um, he gets arrested. But she's walking by the one house at that time who's supposed to be where that old guy lives, and she goes to say hello, and the guy's like, "Hi, like I don't know you." Yeah. And she's like, "Oh, my mistake. I thought you were somebody else." Um. And then another thing, she was trying to like please or be helpful again was she decided to choose a world um in which she could go to where mrs nor the librarian was living yeah. finds out that she's in a retirement home now they used to play chess together when she was younger so she brought a chess set and was like hey i'm here to see um i, I think elm. i said mrs Nora, mrs elm. mrs elm and um they were like she died like two weeks ago you just missed her and she was just devastated she was like i really it wasn't even, like, her Mrs. Elm. And I think in her universe, Mrs. Elm was already dead. Mm. Do we know? No, at the end, um, 
So, not to, like, I know we're doing spoilers, but she does uh, eventually go back to her root life, and she goes and sees Mrs. Elm. That's right. That's, that. Yeah. I reverse it. She does get to see Mrs. Elm. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that was very sad. Yeah, I was not expecting Mrs. Elm to be dead in yeah. any of them. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's a lot of feeling of inadequacy. Um, again, I'm sorry if I'm being quote heavy, but there was, it was just so good. But basically she, she says that she always had a problem accepting herself as far back as she could remember. She had the sense that she wasn't enough. And that hit me in such a, I'm such a perfectionist type A, like I want to make sure I'm doing my best in all the things I'm doing. And, um, just like with my reading pile, I'm not giving myself to any one thing completely ever. I'm always like, you know, I'm thinking of a hundred things and maybe that's just like mom brain, but, um, I definitely feel like I'm never giving enough in one scenario. Oh yeah. The entire time I was reading this book, I was like, I, I, I partially read it, partially did an audiobook when I was like walking my dogs and stuff. Mm. And I, it brought up so many just either nostalgic thoughts or regrets of my own where I was just like, this book is kind of depressing me. Like there, cause yeah. it's building up. Like there's so much you can do with your life. You know, it, every, every tiny little choice you do or make is so important, you know, live your best self. And I'm over here thinking like, okay, what can I do right now? I got to change something. I know I'm reading this book and walking my dog, but I got to change my life right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's interesting because your choice to walk your dog at 6 PM versus 5 p.m. could mean that you're missing walking by the love of your life. Exactly. And, yeah, so I was having all those same yes. thoughts of, like, <laughs> you know, well, if I if I do this thing, um, like, if I, if I change jobs, like, maybe that means I would miss a promotion or, like, That was know. one of my biggest thoughts because it made me think about... Because she was literally changing jobs in every universe. Yeah, which and, was, like, daily. Yes, and I was, like, dang, like, what interviews did I never... So like what what jobs did I apply for that I never got? What interviews did I fail? Like what would have happened if I did get those jobs? Like it could be a whole different life. Would I even be where I live right now? Would I be in a different state or country? Probably not. But you never know. I mean, yeah, it's so interesting to think about. And um, I read this book very fast, and I think that was part of it was like, you know, having a bit of an existential crisis. <laughs> yeah, this book went a hundred percent will mess with your head. I, you're, you're just going to think about everything Mrs. Elm is talking about and what she's trying to teach Nora. And you're like, oh, shoot. I need yeah. to stop reading and go do something with myself. <laughs> um, so after many lives, Nora says, uh, every second of every day we are entering a new universe and we spend so much time wishing our lives were different, comparing ourselves to other people and to other versions of ourselves when really so most lives contain degrees of good and degrees of bad. So true. The whole point of the book, even it's funny because the whole point of the book is like, here, Nora, here's a list of your regrets. Experience worlds until you realize those regrets don't matter. Like the whole book is trying to teach you stop regretting things. Yeah. And if you think you should try for something, go for it. Don't tell yourself you're not good enough. You know, but but it's not. It it doesn't come off like a like a preachy like textbook or anything it's done mm. so well the the interesting part i felt about that quote was that we are currently in a world we're in constant comparison mm -hmm. um you know we're all on social media we're all looking at each other and always. where there's competition 
not even competition, but comparison in everything of like, you know. Um, it's internal competition. It's keeping oh, yeah. up with the Joneses. It's all 100% that. Well, I think there's um, there's a whole, I know you don't know, but there's a whole mom culture of like, oh, you feed your kid chicken nuggets and you're a horrible person. Or you don't feed your ki- kid chicken nuggets and you make your own every night and you're not taking care of yourself. So you're also a horrible person. Sadly, I'm very aware of that <laughs> culture and it's the worst. It's. And so I... It's the TikToks of, like, the mom is recording herself watching somebody else's video, and that video is, like, a perfect mom, and then, like, she's doing the worst version of it. Like, yeah. look at this perfectly packed lunch, and I'm just going to throw in, like, some Gogur packs and... <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's kind of what I was thinking about, is this culture where we're always seeing, um, you know, filtered versions of people's lives, and people are... We're all messy, and, you know, we all have our issues, and we're all human, and... Um, Nora really got to experience that in every single way of like, mm-hmm. you know, even the life where she was um, successful and rich and strong and fit and did Olympic all these winner, things. yeah. yeah. <laughs> had, had been to the Olympics and won. Um, she was still on antidepressants. And she yeah, she was still wasn't still, happy with her life. Yeah, and she was still alone and she was still sad. And um, it was kind of like, make, you know, make good. Um, whatever you've got and just worry about yourself. <laughs> well, at the end of the day, so throughout the book, the Midnight Library keeps having, it got really weird. Like they kept calling them, like errors and weird things. Like it was some sort of mass computer system. Yeah. And so the errors as I, you know, it was pretty obvious to assume the errors were her like either, Oh, she's getting ready to die or, Oh, she's getting ready to come out of it. Like yeah. one way or another, she's going to either wake up, or die because we know was, that she's done something wrong. I was fully picturing like the first time it happened that like she was had been found by EMTs and they had like zapped her. Yeah, you know I don't know using what that's the called. pads anti the defibrillator. Yeah, the defibrillator. That's I don't know why, but I was like, oh, she just like got defibrillated, and so there was like a because um like books fell and stuff. Lights would spark and yeah. 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 <laughs> so I was like, either she's in the hospital recovering, or someone has found her and is giving her CPR. CPR. Yeah. So something is happening, but they're treating it like a, some sort of computer error. But it got progressively worse as the books went on, or her her books went on. I knew she meant. <laughs> um, and I assumed by the end, because this isn't a book that's going to be a surprise by the end. I was like, she's clearly going to go through all these worlds and realize, you know what, my life is good enough. Now, I didn't know what that meant for her. I didn't know if she was going to wake up and change everything. I didn't know if it was going to be, you know what, everything's the same, but I'm going to be okay with this. But as we expect, she doesn't take over anybody. She comes back to her own. Did you assume that, too? or? Um. So, sometimes I did, and sometimes, so, like, the last life that she slid into, I was like, okay, maybe she's found it, and that's where she's going to stay. Um. So I kind of went back and forth, but I kind of kept thinking she was going to... I just couldn't rightly believe that the author would end it in what is, as she put it, essentially a lie. Like, I couldn't imagine her taking over someone else's life and living off of somebody else's version of her success. Yeah, yeah. She had to do something for herself, so I assume she had to go back to her world. I just didn't know how long that would take or what she would wake up to. Yeah. Um, And I want to dive into that, but I have one more quote that I am like... I'm about to, like, get a tattoo to this quote. Okay. Um, so Mrs. Elm and her have a fight in the library, and they knock over a chessboard. Okay, yeah. And 
because Nora's like getting exasperated and Mrs. Elm is getting agitated with her. Um, and so they, it gets knocked over and they put it back together. And so all the chess pieces are in the right place. Um, and she says, Mrs. Elm says, look at that chessboard we put back in place. Look at how ordered and safe and peaceful it looks right now before a game starts. It's a beautiful thing, but it is boring. It is dead. And yet, the moment you make a move on that board, things change. Things begin to get more chaotic, and that chaos builds with every single move you make. And that's what Nora was doing throughout the whole. Was that the same quote in which she states there are more moves you can make in a chessboard than there are literal, like, atoms or something in the universe? And I was like, is that factual? That makes no sense in my mind. (laughs) Yeah, there was... But it was crazy. She said something More observable particles or atoms or something in the known universe. And I was like... Wow, that's a big statement. Yeah, it was, it's, <laughs> it's a huge number, and I did almost look it up. I remember reading that and being like, oh, excuse me. Yeah. Um, but every, you know, every move changes the whole structure of the game. And, again, it's just like we were saying earlier, like every choice we make, whether you walk your dog at six or five, changes everything you're doing going forward. Like the chain has totally adjusted. Mm-hmm. Um and that's just so fascinating to me. And I love how it was described of like, it's dead and peaceful and boring, but really life starts to happen in that mess and in that chaos. Yeah. And I love the chessboard always being there, even before we knew. I, I, I read this book not having read the description. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Um, so, you know, from scene one, they're bringing the chessboard and that they like to play chess. So I just love that constant, like, she would come back and Mrs. Elm had been playing chess with herself, I think, and just yeah. trying to outdo her own self on each opposite turn. And just that whole chess metaphor of, like, all the possibilities. I just, that was really cool. Yeah. I, I, I just, I really enjoyed this book. Um, so, like you said, she does choose her root life. And I did, you know, I went back and forth on if that was what was going to happen. Um, but I was really happy that that's how it kind of ended, was she went back to live the life she was supposed to live. She she wakes up, and this is where I start questioning, okay, she's waking up now, so is any of this library stuff real? Did she experience all of this, or was her mind just making up for the fact that she was dying? And, you know, yeah. you know like, the, like the dream state of, like, well, your mind's just interpreting your, your death. It's trying to deal with that fact. But she wakes up, and she recognizes people and names that she could not know unless that was real she is there when her boyfriend or she is there when her brother um learns about his alternate universe boyfriend and therefore yeah. she's like wait hold on to that name hold on to that guy definitely go on that date do not you know don't skip out and like there's just certain things she couldn't possibly know without those other lives having taken place and then i'm like Okay, shoot, yeah, th- there was a fantasy. I'm like, this all happened. This is really cool. Which is, almost feels like cheating, because now she can kind of play the game of, like, do this, do that. But I guess it works to her advantage. I mean, but that's still his choice. But she yeah. was like, he's like, why do you care so much? And she's like, I just have a good feeling about <laughs> yes. it. You know, like, you go on that date, brother. I think... I th- is Hugo... Does she mention here mention of Hugo in an article or something? Hugo's in the real life at some point, but they don't meet. They don't meet. But I think Hugo pops up one more time in the real life. But I could be wrong. But she, like, reaches back out to her friend Izzy 
or like i think before she she tried to commit suicide she like texted her friend izzy like hey i love you and she woke up and saw that there was a response um and she tells izzy to drive see i'm, I'm mixing up the universes but i think she tells izzy to like drive safe be careful because she knows yeah. like there's a car accident potential in the future and stuff like that yeah um it was it was interesting and she i think because she had all those opportunities to see other things she was at peace with her life now her root to life mm-hmm. so would you want to go to the midnight library and try out all of those things uh, I absolutely would, although I don't want to depress myself if there's, like, really cool <laughs> options. I was going to ask you, what is your limbo? Um, Probably a coffee shop. Okay. Probably that, or um, as a kid, I did a lot, a lot of theater, um, so I could see it being, like, a stage. You could enter different scripts or, or stages? Yeah. Different, um, okay. I thought you? about that, and I think mine is kind of lame, but... I think it would be video games. Okay. Cases and discs into a console. Yeah. I could see that. It's probably a GameStop. <laughs> I'm in a GameStop. But yeah, I think that would be mine. But yeah, okay. So if it was a cop if it was a coffee shop, what would be the what would be the portal? Maybe like a menu, like order. Okay, yeah. A menu. A menu of regrets. Yeah. Like, um yes, I'd like to order Or this cup is too bitter. <laughs> I'd I'd like to order um you know. <laughs> a cup of cutting bangs into my own hair <laughs> and see see how that changes things either that or mine's food related i'm in a grocery store true <laughs> i'm in a candy shop i'm unwrapping all my different lives or like a buffet okay yeah i like the buffet option yeah what does fame taste like <laughs> <laughs> probably not great <laughs> a little bitter god yeah i had fun i that was a fun read i I don't know. Could, okay, I guess we can talk about this more in your review. I'm curious if you could ever reread this book. But we can jump into that. Well, yeah, let's do that. What is What, what was your review? Um, so I did give it a 4 out of 5. As and, did I. Yeah, and it was because it was really fast and enjoyable, and it made me think, like we talked about, but in a very accessible way. It wasn't like I didn't need to be Einstein to understand what was going on, um, and... I literally sat down and read it and like, oh, you know. Yeah, we destroyed it. This is not a hard read at all. No. And it's, you know, I think it's like 200 some pages, but it's, it was so quick and so impactful. And I, I like that. Like, don't give me 700 pages and it'd be forgettable. Give me 200 pages where I'm like, whoa, my whole world is shifting. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's where I like how impactful it was for how short it was. Like you said, it was not a hard book. And yet, in so few pages, it had so much to say mm -hmm. and to teach. And in so many pages, it just it just um, made you feel so much. Yeah. It was very impressive. I feel like verklempt right now. Like, a little bit like I could cry. Yeah. Just I, thinking about all the different things. I don't know. Have you read... I, I was unfamiliar with this author. Had you read anything by this author before? No, and honestly, I haven't looked him up. I haven't either. I definitely would read other books by him. So you only give fives when a book is rereadable. So is that the same case here? I would say so. I don't know. I might reread it, like, if I knew a friend was going to read it, like, and I wanted to talk about it with them again because it was so quick. A refresher. Yeah, but yeah. 
it was not something that I would be like, oh, in a year I'm going to want to pick that up again. Uh, it's it's not one of those books that have extremely exciting scenes that you can't wait to get back to again or something. It's it's pretty tame, you know. Mm-hmm. It's it's about the multiverse, but it's it's not a hardcore science fiction novel. It's very simple and very one off. And there's no reason to reread it again. And yet, it will still always be in the back of my mind. Yeah. Like, it's very impactful. Yes. Um, I, for all the same reasons, also gave it a 4 out of 5. I don't know what would make it a 5 out of 5. I, I just don't feel like it is. And again, it has nothing against the writing. It, it just, it's a very good life lesson book. Yeah. And I will say, honestly, if there was a book from Hugo's perspective uh, or someone else, I might read that. Um, because I'm so intrigued by the idea and I want to see the, the differences. Like, I just don't. Yeah. Like why the uncle, like why, what was, what was with his uncle that was so important or memorable that that yeah. was the guy in the video store for him? Well, and also Mrs. Elm, cause at one point Nora asks Mrs. Elm in the library, um, like, well, why does Hugo get to slide so much and why has he been doing it for so long? Cause Mrs. Elm was trying to get her to make a decision. Um, and she just said, like, oh, Hugo's, like, a special exception. Well, my thought is, so Nora took a bunch of pills, and, you know, she's either going to die or she's got to wake up. She's got to get to the hospital. Either they're going to pump her stomach or something, right? My thought is, like, Hugo is definitely in a coma, right? That's what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, whatever his long-term thing is, he doesn't get a choice. <laughs> yeah. He's, he, I, I do, too, believe he's in a coma. Yeah. Um, and can just slide until... Which, part of me is like, that's really exciting, and part of me is like, that's the most depressing thing ever. Yeah. But yeah, no, solid. Solid read. Highly recommend all the way. For sure. Everyone. So, um, I feel like I can't properly move on from that conversation, (laughs) but our next buddy read is Bullet Train, which is by Kotaro Isaka? Kotaro Isaka, yep. Um, and it is actually a film that is coming out with starring Brad Pitt, um, in April. So I'm very excited. I have started it, like I said, um, but I'm interested to read it, talk about it, and then watch it. So. This is, I have vague ideas of this book. I kind of like not knowing things, but this is a thriller, correct? Or Mm -hmm. some sort of. Yes, it's a thriller. Um, and it is international. Um. Yeah, this is a translation, I believe. Yes. And. They're, they are literally on a train. Um, so most of it, if not all of it, um, takes place on a bullet train in Japan. Um, and they are criminals. And I'm very excited because I love... Um, there's a name for it um, when when a whole book or a whole movie takes place in, in one space. I, I don't know why I'm blinking on it because it's just... It's my, it's my favorite kind of like idea. But um, I just I just love when it's like a small scope of that where it's all on a train or it's all on a plane and I have a, a fascination with trains so I'm very excited for this. I will say, like I said, I started it. It does make me think of, and again, maybe it's just because it's on a train. It yeah. does make me think of Snowpiercer, <laughs> but it's not at all the same. But because it's on a train and they talk about like, oh, we're going to train three or you know, car three or whatever, something like mm-hmm. that. There's something about it that in the back of my head is like, this is. Maybe it's the same train. I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. God, Snowpiercer is so good. That's a great movie. There's a show now too, right? Yeah, it's not as good. Oh, okay. Well. <laughs> okay. Um, well, that just leaves us with closing out. 
people we have all of our social media of course you want to start yeah please rate and subscribe wherever you are listening to this podcast follow us at paper quest podcast on instagram facebook and youtube feel free to leave us a comment so we know what books you're reading and which we should read in the future we also have a one dollar patreon it gives you access to all episodes two days early and goes towards supporting the show and I think um, before next episode, I think we have another two side quests coming out. So there's that to look forward to as well. Yes, definitely keep an eye out for those because those are a lot of fun. All right. Until next time. Bye. Bye.